Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Thursday, November the 16th, 2023, and I hope that it finds all of you doing very, very well. Um, what a joy it is to be back with y'all today, to have this opportunity to go through God's Word with you, to talk about the different things that have been revealed, not only about who God is, but about who we are and and this world around us, this crazy, crazy world. Where we find ourselves, if this is your first time ever, what we do is simple. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through different books of the Bible. We happen to be going through Acts right now, and we are in Acts 17. But before you turn there, I want you to turn to Romans 1. And then we will go to Acts chapter 17. Um, I'll explain why in just a second. Let me go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray for your blessings on it. We pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that we would understand not only your word, but understand what your word teaches us about who we are, apart from you, about what the world is really like, and about what's going on in the world. So please, guide us now, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all, have you ever wondered what is really going on out there? We talk about this a lot together, don't we? We talk about the state of the world. We talk about why the world does what the world does. I, I quote Psalm 14:1 all the time. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God, and fools do foolish things and believe foolish things. That's certainly part of it, but that, that's a, a snippet, right? That, that's a very short verse, and then the rest of the 14th Psalm goes on to talk about this. But if you had to choose a chapter of God's word that you could, you know, when you go to your window and you throw back the sash and look outside, well, maybe not that. If you open your computer and you click on one of the news outlets, if you turn on your television, if you still take the newspaper and read and you wonder what is going on, Romans 1 is what's going on, starting in verse 18. And the reason I'm starting with Romans 1 is because of where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 17. Now you might say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Realize that in Romans 1, Paul, and, and, and y'all, if, if you don't recall, or, or maybe you weren't with us at that time, we went through the book of Romans together, spent months going through the book of Romans. But where we left off yesterday in Acts chapter 17 was with Paul at the Areopagus. That was that center of philosophy for Athens, yes, but even more importantly, really in many ways for the entirety of the Roman Empire. The prevailing thoughts of the day were shaped in Athens, and there Paul was amongst the philosophers, the Stoics, the Epicureans, and all those along the spectrum of philosophy, those shaping Roman civilization. And y'all, what he's about to say to them today that we're getting into in Acts chapter 17, it's, it's reflected in what we're about to read in Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It's reflective of that, but in some ways I can't help but wonder if what Paul is revealing, and, and forget about Paul, this is his word, but in Paul's understanding, I can't help but wonder if Paul's understanding is not based on what we're about to read in Acts chapter 17. Now, let's get to Romans 1, because again, what in the world is going on? 
Romans 1, starting in verse 18, it says, if you wonder what's happening, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Let me paraphrase. Paul says, look at creation. Everybody knows there's a God. There's a yearning in all of us. Blaise Pascal, that French philosopher, theologian, talked about the God-shaped hole in our heart that we look for all sorts of things to fill it up, but only God can fill it. This is who we are. We are made to be worshipful creatures. That's why so much worship goes on in the world around us. It's just not worshiping the one true God. He continues, verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You remember where we kind of left off yesterday? Well, not where we left off, but Luke in his assessment of the Athenians, right? And his assessment really of Roman thought at the time was revealed in Acts 17, 21. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. That's all they did. And what did, what did we just read? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. Doesn't that sound like futile thinking to you? And their hearts became darkened, Romans 1, 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Again, y'all, I cannot help but wonder if as Paul is writing this to the Roman church, his mind does not harken back to being at the epicenter of modern thought at the Areopagus. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Remember where we started in 17 with the Athenians? That Paul went around Athens and he saw the abundance of idols being made there and he was deeply troubled. Again, I can't help but wonder. Verse 24, therefore, you want to know what's going on out there? Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Now, this is not the focus today, but... If you ever wonder what the Bible says about homosexuality, unnatural, perversion, shameful. Y'all, 
there are lots of people that either add to the Bible or take away from the Bible. Talked about this this past Sunday. There are lots of people that would rewrite the Bible and pretend that everything is okay with homosexuality. It's not. And don't give me this garbage about Jesus never talked about homosexuality. Well, Jesus never talked about speed limits either. But the principles that he talked about pointed to this. Besides, remember who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the Word of God revealed in the Scriptures. Furthermore, verse 28, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Y'all, you want to know what's going on in the world? Romans 1 is what's going on in the world. Because men have rejected God, God gave them over and said, okay, do it your way. And if you doubt that, Look out your window and behold the prize that we have won for this. Now, the beauty is that God still calls people out of this. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about, and you were such as these, but you've been saved. God still calls the church to rise triumphant in the midst of this world, and Jesus is still building his church. But y'all, the very core of things, people have exchanged God for something else. And the end result is the world you see around you and the world that Paul saw around himself. Where we left off, right? We left off really in verse 21, and I started with verse 22 of Acts 17. That's where we're going to pick up again, because he's dealing again at the epicenter of all of these things that are taking place. What does he say? Again, verse 22. We'll just pick up there today. Paul then stood up in the meeting, and this is Acts 17, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. Remember, that this is what we ended with yesterday. I said the problem is not no religion in, in our world. It's way too much religion, and it's religious fervor for the wrong things. Verse 23, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Do you get the paradigm there in Athens? They were so full of idols so full of the worship of false gods, they even had an altar to the God that they didn't know about. That's kind of like the, well, I think I've done everything. I think I remembered everything, but you know, just to be on the safe side, that's how rampant this is in their society. And before you say, goodness, what barbarians. Have you looked around yourself lately? Look at all the things that people worship. In the name of exclusivity 
or excuse me, not exclusivity, inclusivity. Sorry, I got my words mixed up. In the, in the name of being inclusive, in the name of being tolerant. You know, tolerant used to mean, you know, live and let live. You do you, I'll do me, and, and we're not going to interfere with one another. I will tolerate what you are doing. That's not what tolerance means anymore. Tolerance instead means that I not only don't mess with what you're doing, I must embrace it and not only embrace it, I, I must advance it. I must look for opportunities to advance what you believe. That's the modern definition of tolerance, and it's absolute trash. And it's fascinating that tolerance applies to every single religion on earth, except for Christianity. You know that coexist sticker? Look, when you got things on that coexist sticker that want to kill the other things represented, I'm, I'm talking about, I, I drive a Subaru. I was surprised that it didn't come with a coexist sticker on the back of it. But nevertheless, y'all, that, that's the crazy mixed up world that we're living in. Why? Because it's God's wrath. That's why. Because we've rejected him. Now, Paul just said in verse, or in chapter 17, verse 23, I'm going to, you have this, this, this shrine, this altar to an unknown God. Let me tell you who this God is that is unknown to you. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. That's his first shot. He says, hey, you got this shrine to an unknown God. I only tell you who he is. He's the God of heaven and earth and he cannot be contained in structures built by human hands. You know, in Athens, they had temples to the gods, right? And not to mention shrines even to an unknown God. Paul says, you need to understand first and foremost about this God. You can't put him in a box like you can all these other gods. Which, side note, I'm still hearing a lot of this stuff, and this is not a political commentary. It's a, it's a theological commentary, okay? Get it straight. I'm not pro-Hamas. I, I think that Hamas needs to be obliterated from the face of planet Earth, okay? So understand that. But I'm hearing this prophecy stuff about, oh, you know, some guy in Texas has started you know, breeding the red heifers that should be at the temple in Jerusalem. And, and they've, they've talked about the temple mount and, and they've talked about how they're going to reconstruct the temple. And then when that's, that's one of the signs of Jesus coming back because the temple will be, who do you think will be in the temple? I mean, seriously, if they rebuild it, what's going to be there? Is God going to be there? Well, <laughs> The God who made the world, verse 24, and everything in it is the, Lord, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. I mean, even when Solomon built his temple and the Lord's presence filled the place, rewind to when Solomon built the temple and David wanted to build it, couldn't build it. So he prepared all the supplies. Solomon was the one who got the honor. But when Solomon dedicated it, he prayed. He said, we recognize, Lord, that we cannot build a house for you. Instead, we want your presence to dwell among us. And before you say, well, why couldn't they do that in Israel right now and God's presence dwell among them? You think God is going to hang out with a bunch of people who don't even recognize Jesus as much less his son, the Messiah? The Jews have thoroughly rejected Jesus. That's why they need the gospel. Romans 11, a hardening of the Jews has taken place so that the full number of Gentiles may come in. And then something's going to happen with the Jews. We don't know what, but something's going to happen. But y'all, 
I've said this before, and I'm not trying to be a provocateur. While Muslims and Jews both have an improper view of Jesus, Jews think that Jesus got what was coming to him. You realize that? At least the Muslims think he was a prophet. It doesn't make sense why they do because of what he said, but nevertheless, I mean, Muslims have a higher view of Jesus than the Jews, and and they're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, and God is going to once again fill it with his presence. And don't even get me started on the real Israel and all that other stuff. And no, this is not a political commentary, okay? It's really not. Not everything in life has to be about politics. But nevertheless, that's the first shot that he takes. And one of the reasons he takes it again is because of all the temples that they had, not only in Athens, but throughout the Roman empires. Often enough, towns were built around temples. Verse 24, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all life and breath and everything else. Y'all, this is not saying that we shouldn't serve the Lord. What this is doing is Paul is taking, again, a direct shot at not only the temple system throughout the Roman Empire, he's also taking a direct shot really at the, the tribute system that existed in the Roman Empire. Interestingly enough, the most popular temples were the ones that had prostitutes and it was an act of worship to go and attain their services, right? Because that was viewed as worship, the different gods of fertility. And hey, who doesn't like fertility? We need crops, right? I mean, that's what was going on. But what Paul is really getting at is here, hey, this whole system of of religion that you have, that's not how you worship God. That's not what you do. You don't earn your way into God's favor. You don't serve him like that. And then he goes on to talk about it even more. He says, from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. Y'all think about what he's saying here. They're in the Roman Empire the biggest empire in the history of the world at that point. There have been larger empires since then. But as far as anybody knew, pretty much the entire known world was controlled by the Romans. And what did he just say? He just said, you're not responsible for this. Alexander wasn't responsible for this. God's responsible. He appoints the time and the place. Now, is Paul talking about the fall of the Roman Empire? I don't think he knowingly is, but doesn't that also apply to not only the place, but the time of their existence? And there is another thing, and and we're 19 minutes in almost, so with this, I'm going to go ahead and end. But there's something that Paul does here that if you're not careful, you'll just skip over it. He's definitely talking about the rise and fall of of, of civilization, though not necessarily the Roman Empire. He's talking about how everything we have comes from God, how God is sovereign over every single area of life, not only who lives where, but when they live there, the days that we have, all of these things. But y'all, there's something that he talks about here that we dare not skip over. You know, in the modern world, There are lots of ways that the Bible has been attacked. The chief way that the Bible has been attacked, and everybody seems to just be fine with it, is by denying creation. Go to a public school anywhere on earth, or anywhere in the United States, excuse me. Go to a public school and see if they teach anything about 
Forget about six-day creation, which is what the Bible teaches, but even intelligent design, you know, the thing where people can have their cake and eat it too, right? Find one that teaches anything about God creating anything. You won't. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, you know, people talk about, oh, prayer left school, prayer left school. Well, well, think about what else left school. If you take out God as the creator, then every one of those students learns that they'll never have to give an account to anybody, except you need to be true to self. Come on, y'all. You want to wonder why things are going on like they're going on? God's wrath and people being true to self. Because there's nothing more true to self than hating people and killing people if you don't like them. That's being true to self. Embracing perversion is being true to self. Gratifying your sinful desires is the best way to be true to yourself. That's why the worst advice ever given in the history of the world is follow your heart. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what is revealed in God's word, right? But the thing that we can't miss here, and again, I know we're just going through, but Verse 26, from one man, he made every nation of men. You see, there are those that deny biblical creation. And then there are some Christians that are so foolish that they deny the historical Adam. The historical Adam. That, you know, Jesus talked about being the second Adam, um, or the set of Jesus. You know, if Jesus believed in Adam and Eve, then maybe you and I should too. If Adam is affirmed here, not just as some idea, but as the one through whom all men came, then I think we should think that's true. And this is, you know, again, one of the ways that the world has gone on attack against the Bible is if you can take out Genesis, you can take out the rest. Just like Acts you know, it's so fundamental, all of these principles, all these teachings. You take out Genesis, you remove so many of those things. And what do you get? Eh, you get back to Romans 1, that although God is plain, although you know, the, the idea of God, it's clear through creation that there's a creator, you get this other thing where it's just about us. Now, Paul is going to keep on going with them, and we're going to pick up here tomorrow. Um, but for today, don't wonder about what's going on in the world. When you ask yourself, is everybody going crazy? Yes. But you see, it's not really craziness. It's just a world that has rejected God. And when you reject God, you reject the things of God. You reject goodness. You reject truth. You reject mercy. You reject love. It's a package deal, you see. Paul knew that as he confronts the Athenians. There's a reason he started where he started. I think we know where we need to start too. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us and, and for just the opportunity to go through your word. Please let your word become real in our hearts, not just in an emotional, devotional way, but instead in a way that prompts us to action. Thank you that you have called some out of the wickedness of the world. And I thank you that I'm one of them. So please bless us in these things. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be here Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and then again Monday morning at 6 a.m. Now, um, realize this, you know, a couple, uh, couple of things going on here. Um, lots of stuff going on at the church. I've mentioned to you before the Thanksgiving meal. If you are local, if you haven't signed up, I don't know if they're still taking orders today or not, but I hope that you have signed up. You can give a call and, and see, and they may be able to take your order. But nevertheless, I, I look forward to seeing y'all there. Those of you who can make it, thank you in advance for your support. There's no charge. It's just a donation. Um, but nevertheless, I, I look forward to seeing y'all there. And if you're local to our area, we would love to have you worship with us at Old Providence. Right now, we're going through the book of Philippians, and uh, this Sunday is going to be interesting. Anyway, thank you all so much for so faithfully being a part of this time. May the Lord bless you richly.